the biggest thing about being able to do volume is just hiring the right people and training them and really managing them, which is a totally different business than being kind of the one man army that a lot of investors are kind of being able to go out there and like a Swiss army knife and go out and do every single task. It's that time of year again, tax season. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return. And there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide. And I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean... This is the ultimate rental property tax guide, and you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes get that ultimate rental property tax guide best ever listeners how you doing welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show i'm joe fairless this is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast we only talk about the best advice ever we don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today steven pesavento how you doing steven hey joe i'm doing well how you doing I am doing well and nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Steven. He's been investing in real estate for two years and he's bought and sold 150 properties. He's based in Denver, Colorado. You can learn more about what he's got going on at theinvestormindset.com, which will also be in the show notes. So with that being said, Steven, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely. So I consider myself fairly new to investing. I've been investing for two years, but definitely have quite a bit of experience after that two years. I hadn't ever done any real estate investing when I got started. Just kind of had that same feeling a lot of people have where I really want to do this, but kept making up excuses on why I wasn't taking the leap. Finally, I did. And in the last two years, we bought and sold 150 houses in two different markets. I live in Denver, but we invest in Raleigh, North Carolina and Minneapolis, Minnesota. 150 properties in two years. How? Yeah, we're really focused on scale. So we've built a team. We have people on the ground who are going out and signing up these contracts, getting these properties under contract directly with the sellers. And of course, we're doing direct response marketing, direct mail, PPC, kind of all the things you might read about on bigger pockets. Mm-hmm. We're just doing it at a little bit bigger scale than a lot of people because my philosophy was you have to do enough deals rapidly to get enough information to learn quickly. And I'm just a big person on modeling others. And I found a few investors who I was able to pretty much learn the ins and outs of how their business was working and 
kind of take seven to 10 years of real estate experience and condense it down into a few months. And so we just really started modeling, which is just another word for copying, started kind of ripping off everything that they were doing. And we started applying that in our business and we really took off. We've done quite a bit and we've been able to help a lot of people, which has been really rewarding. Who'd you model after? There's some investors, Andy McFarlane, Bill Allen, Mike Simmons, Justin Williams, a couple of people from around the country. They're part of a mastermind group called Eight Figure Flipping or Seven Figure Flipping. Which one is it? Eight or seven? That's a big difference. Well, there's two separate groups. Oh, there's okay. one <laughs> higher level group that we're a part of. But we got connected to them through an event that was going on. And I wasn't a really a big fan of spending money on coaching or mentorship. At first, I thought I can learn everything on my own. And to be honest, I was. I was trading some of my experience in other fields, building websites and doing things like that for the ability to learn from some other investors. But when I came across these guys, I could just tell they're really authentic. So a partner of mine ended up paying for it. I ended up trading some of my time to get access to it. And then we just really took off after that and things just really grew. And it's been a great two years. If you were to write the high-level overview of how you structure your company to allow this volume so quickly, what would be the bullet points? Good question. So the biggest thing is you want to hire people who are better than you at certain areas of the business so you can focus in on your core competency. So for me, what I'm the best at is building systems, sales, and really putting a team together. So that's what I focused on. I've essentially hired out an acquisition manager to go on sales appointments, a lead manager to answer the phones, a disposition manager to sell wholesales, a project manager to manage the flips that we have going. And the biggest bullet point is you just have to take action. You have to go out there and do it. You have to choose one marketing channel to go after. Because in my world, in order to get scale, you're probably going to have to spend some money and you're going to have to do something that's repeatable. And for us, that was marketing. Direct mail was the first channel we went after. And we started out with about 10 or 15,000 mail pieces for that first month. But now we're up to a point where on any given month, we're between 50 and 100,000 mail pieces per month. So what that does for us is it gives us enough pieces of marketing going out every day that we know that we're going to get a certain number of phone calls. And from those certain number of phone calls, we're going to get a certain number of appointments. And we can pretty much expect how many contracts we're going to get. So huh. the biggest thing about being able to do volume is just hiring the right people and training them and really managing them, which is a totally different business than being kind of the one-man army that a lot of investors are, kind of being able to go out there and, like a Swiss army knife and go out and do every single task. For me, I don't go on appointments. I don't live in the market and I'm not locking stuff up over the phone. So really have to rely on other people. And I think that's the biggest piece about building anything to scale is you really have to rely on your team and your partners to do what they need to do. If you didn't build out the team with the acquisitions, the lead and the disposition managers and the project manager, and instead you attended the mastermind that you referred to earlier and you learned everything, but then you decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to just have one right-hand person and that person and I, and if you have another business partner, fine. The three of you or the two of you, we're going to do this thing. Would you be able to make more money that way since you don't have all the overhead from the team members that you have brought on? Yeah. Whenever you take on the decision to cut 
overhead. It's a trade-off. If you have two or three people who are just super motivated, you guys just want to go out and bust your butt and put in a lot of hours, then absolutely. Two, three people could definitely go out and do that. For us, with the kind of volume that we're doing, I don't think the best use of our time is to be spent on a phone call. That's something that's perfect for a 10, 12, 15, $20 an hour type of person to be setting those appointments. And then what you would do if you were trying to be a smaller scale team, you'd have those people focused on setting appointments and then you go out and lock them up and you go out and sell them and you go and do all this stuff. Absolutely 100%. For me, the reason why we went this direction, I have people who are running the business. Matt frees me up to do other things outside of just being stuck in the business 60, 80 hours a week. Quality of life, plus you're building something that you might be able to step away from and still have residual income from, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. What's been a big challenge as you've gone really quickly into this business over the last couple of years? Well, I think the biggest challenge is whenever you decide to move quick, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to have to learn from those mistakes really quickly. So when you're doing marketing at scale and you make a mistake, that mistake costs you a lot of money. So if, for example, you're making a change within your system and you have 200 phone calls coming in a week and you have something go wrong with your CRM or you have something go wrong with your call system, it's going to really impact you and you're going to have to figure out really quickly how you're going to be able to come back from that. In other words, what I learned was we really need to have redundancy in the system. If our CRM goes down, we need to have a backup available so that our team is able to get in there and do the things they need to do to make sure that the machine continues to run. So that was one big thing. It hurt us. A lot of people know who were using Podio that went down for a couple days last year and everyone was freaking out. But uh, we learned from that quickly, and now we have some systems in place to make sure that we're not stuck with that. A deal that you have lost money on, if there is one. Well, you're you're wholesaling, so you're probably not losing money um, well, we, on, on deals, right? We flipped about 40%. Oh, really? Doing full, full rehabs on about 40, 45% of well, properties. Well, that just opens up a whole new set of questions. You flipped 40%, so I don't know what that is, like 60 properties or so? Yeah, How do you do that remotely? So my model for the first two years was partnership. So I had a partner on the ground, 50-50 equity partner, and that person was responsible for managing the actual renovations and flips that were going on out there in North Carolina and Minnesota. So in that case, that person was the person who was actually making sure that we're buying right, they're going and seeing what's going on, they make sure that we're not losing money, we're not making bad investment decisions, but It happens when you're doing stuff at scale, you are going to lose some money. And because we were taking big swings, so we did have a couple of times where we lost some cash. Mm -hmm. It's never a good feeling, but it is a great feeling when that's off your books and you're like, okay, well, I learned a lot from that. Yeah, I hear you. So one key is having 50-50 equity partner. That way you're both in it for the upside or otherwise. What's a specific deal that you lost money on? Tell us how much you bought it for and what went wrong. Please. Yeah, absolutely. No, for sure. I don't mind sharing that at all. I think you learn the most from your mistakes. And so there was a property on Hunting Ridge Road in Raleigh that we bought and we bought it for 280. We had an opportunity to sell it probably 290, 295. So we could have walked away with some money right up front, but this was early on when we were entering the Raleigh market 
And my partner had a lot of experience flipping, but didn't have experience locally. He had just moved to that market. So we ended up putting in about $80,000 in repairs. That was about double what we expected. There was a few (laughs) things that came up with our contractors. Even though it was a really good friend of his, the contractor ended up extending the timeline by about eight weeks longer than we expected. So (laughs) that added up to some cost, and we had to redo some of the roof line. We ended up not being able to count the basement as square footage like we expected. And we just had every little tiny thing that you think could go wrong, went wrong. And by the time we put it on the market, we had the ARV pegged at 450. We ended up selling that for 412. So we went from expecting a profit of about $80,000 to a negative profit of about $14,000. So of course our investors made 30, 40,000 on that, but we walked away with negative equity on that property. But we did learn a lot about the market and about how picky the buyers are in that area and how it's a little bit different than some of the hotter markets like Denver, Southern California, which is where we had some experience. Why couldn't you count the basement as square footage as you expected? Well, in that area in particular, basements are not very common in North Carolina. And in that area, we could count it as square footage, but it didn't have the same value. So it still was counted, but it was worth way less than we thought it was because of that. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned you had investors in the deal. How do you structure your deals with investors? We typically are borrowing money, kind of private money lender, hard money lender type situation. Typically, we're paying points and interests. And typically, they're paying 100% of the whole purchase plus renovation because we typically buy these deals with enough equity for that to work. So in the end, after points and interests and everything was said and done, they ended up making more money than we did. And we were happy. We're happy to pay them. They stick with us on every single deal that we do. And that's been important for us in our growth is to have kind of a partner like that. Even though they're a lender, we still consider them our partner. What's the competitive rate for the best ever listeners if they're working with a group that is lending them money? I think it depends on the area. What I noticed is in Southern California, you might be able to find money for one in 10, one in 12, two in 12. In North Carolina, locally, it's a little bit more expensive. Two points and 12%, three points and 12%. I've seen it as high as four or five points and 12% in that area, which just blew me away. When we're typically paying one point, and 12% interest, but that's 100% funded. And we're usually paying our points and interest on the back rather than monthly. Not everyone gets that, but when you have a good relationship, sometimes people, if they're not living off the points and interest, they're happy to take them at the end of the project. You're buying deals, fixing and flipping them or wholesaling them in North Carolina, Minnesota, and also Colorado. Yeah, I don't do any business in Colorado currently. Okay, so just North Carolina, Minnesota. Yep, just North Carolina, Minnesota. Okay, so those are the two areas that you and your team are doing deals. Any unique challenges to, and I guess we'll be specific with, since they're both states, so they're rather large. I think you said Raleigh was the one deal you just talked about, right? Yep. Okay, and what cities are you in North Carolina besides Raleigh, and then what cities are you in in Minnesota? We're in what they call the Triangle area, which is about an hour hour and a half around Raleigh, and we're in Minneapolis Twin Cities area. So the Metropolitan Research Triangle, all the smart university students and young professionals over there in North Carolina and in St. Paul, you said, in Minneapolis for Minnesota? 
Yep. And some of the unique challenges to those areas is just the buyers are different. In other words, the people who are going to move into those houses have different expectations on what they're looking for. In an area like Raleigh. You already said they're very high maintenance, but Minnesota are very nice people and they're low maintenance, right? (laughs) Minnesota people are very nice to your face. (laughs) Kidding, by the way, North Carolina listeners. (laughs) One of the challenges in North Carolina that you don't really know about is there's these things called underground oil storage tanks that are maybe not as popular in some parts of the country, but they're a huge cost to have those removed. So if you don't know about them before you buy It can be a pretty big unexpected cost if they leak, and it can be pretty difficult to sell a property because it's hard to get a mortgage on them depending on the kind of contamination. So that's one challenge we found. Is that just typically disclosed when you purchase a property, or is that part of the house inspection process, or does that get uncovered? It's really one of those things where you have to know what to look for. The sellers, when you're selling a house and you're buying it off market, they're not always disclosing everything about the property. You're usually buying it as is, and they're not sharing all the information about, oh, well, hey, I think there's a oil storage tank. But if you know what to look for, you're able to find it. Usually there's a little pipe sticking out of the ground. Sometimes people cut those off and you have to really kind of search around with a metal detector. But for the most part, we haven't run into too many issues. We've just had a couple where cost us about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to remediate the soil on a property that we were purchasing <laughs> to tear down and split the land so we could build two houses on it. We ended up not being able to do that because of that issue. That's pricey. Ah, yeah. Cost us <laughs> cost us twenty thousand to fix it and it was supposed to be a hundred and fifty thousand dollar profit. So it was a big problem when we found Well, but when you got a hundred and fifty thousand dollars profit, I mean come on now. <laughs> It's a problem, but you're still doing all right on that deal. Yeah, but the issue was because of the remediation issue, we couldn't actually build the new houses Mm. because there was a well that was too close. So what'd you end up doing? We ended up remediating it and selling it. We ended up making about 20, 25,000 on that instead, Mm -hmm. which was good, but we weren't able to do the development piece that we were hoping to. Any unique challenges with Minnesota people? or the market? I think Minnesota is a great market. One of the challenges is just finding deals that pencil. It's a pretty big homeowner base there. And we really haven't had too many problems in Minnesota, I'll be honest. (laughs) Well, I don't want you to make one up. So we'll move on. Based on your experience as a real estate investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice is just to get after it. Decide exactly what you want to do. Get up, take action, And just go for it because you only learn by doing and you really just need to get out there and take some action. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? All right, let's do it, Joe. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account. The account's free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best taxes. 
When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. Best ever book you've recently read? Best ever book. One of my favorite books by far is definitely Never Split the Difference. I'm sure it's been brought up a ton of times. I love that book. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we have not discussed already? A mistake I've made on a transaction that we haven't discussed is not running title early enough in the process after getting it under contract and finding out about issues with title at the last minute cost us some money. Best ever way you like to give back? I like to do direct contribution. I like working with people directly face-to-face, helping people learn about how to get out of the situations that they're in and see that, hey, there's a better way. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? You can find me on social media, on the internet, Stephen Pesavento, or you can check out theinvestormindset.com to learn a little bit more about what we're doing. Stephen, very impressive what you've built in a relatively short period of time, but regardless of the period of time, impressive. Really enjoyed learning more about your business, how you work in different markets while being remote and some transactions that did not go according to plan, why that was the case, as well as some transactions that did. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs, Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.